This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg When the tzaddik passes away, as a result of the elevation of the tzaddik's soul, this evokes a powerful response from Hashem, tremendous revelation of godliness, which transforms the darkness to light, the negative to positive, the sin into a mitzvah. It says when you do teshuva, the highest level of teshuva, you're able to change negative to positive. So when the tzaddik passes away, it's the ultimate teshuva. The soul returns. What is teshuva? Baruch tashuv, The soul is returning. So this is the ultimate teshuva, the ultimate elevation. The soul is returning to its makers, returning to its home, to its source. And this level of teshuva evokes a response, a revelation of godliness that transforms the darkness to light. It's able to penetrate even the darkness to reach even the darkness and to transform the darkness. Light, per se, cannot transform darkness. Light and, da- and dark are opposites. So it, can, it could uh, triumph over the darkness, it could uh, overwhelm the darkness, but it can't change the darkness. Only when you reach such a high level, it's really beyond light and beyond darkness, it's, it's the essence you're touching more the essence of Hashem, there you have the ability to take the darkness itself and to transform the darkness itself into light. It can penetrate and reach everywhere. Because God is undefined. Not only is God unlimited, God is undefined and God is, is everything. There is nothing else but God. So ultimately, everything is really Hashem. So therefore, Hashem has the power, God has the power to totally transform even the darkness to light. Bitterness to sweetness, negative into positive, sin into myth. In the middle of page 193, the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe will now explain how this relates to the passing of Tzadik. For this likewise draws down a degree of illumination that utterly transcends the world, transforming its darkness into light and bringing about atonement for the sins of the generation. Now it is known that Abba... Father, a Kabbalistic name for the Sefer of Chochmah, draws its sustenance from the Eighth Mazel. The Eighth is in the Torah enumeration of the 13 attributes of divine mercy, which correspond to the 13 tufts of the celestial beard, the individual hairs of which are conduits for the emanation of a tenuous flow of life force. This is the tuft of Notzer Chesed, that appears in the above listing, Notzer Chesed Liafim. He guards Chesed for thousands of generations. The Hebrew word Notzer, guards, is composed of the same letters as the Hebrew word Ratzon, divine favor. This is the Et Ratzon, the time of divine favor, the auspicious time that becomes revealed and radiates in a manifest way from above downward at the time of the passing of Tzadikim of Set. There is a concept of es ratzen. There's a time when God, so to speak, is in a good mood. <laughs> he's open, he's available, he's accessible. Just like there are times, we, inexplicably, we can't explain. There are times when you just feel, you wake up, with, uh, you feel the grace, you feel connected, you feel plugged in, you feel so alive, you feel love, you feel, you know, it's indescribable. And it lasts for a second and a half, but, but those moments... <laughs> <laughs> Those moments are very real. There are moments that you feel heavy and there's difficulties and problems, and that probably describes most of the moments. 
But then you have moments, special auspicious times. Shabbat, especially the end of Shabbat. It's called a time, the end of Shabbat is a time of grace. It's a very special moment. The time of Shalashud is the time of the third meal. It's a very, very special time when Hashem is like in a very uplifted mood. You know, and you would see that many times in the Rebbe. There were times the Rebbe was like very intense and... You see, he was fighting, he was struggling, he was like trying to wrestle with the negativity. Then there were times when it was like, it was beaming and it was in an unbelievable mood. And you can just feel that it was just the Eitz Ratzon. It was a time, a good time. Don't argue with it. When you, when you have a good time, a good moment, grab it, embrace it, make the most of it. So he says, when the tzaddik passes away, it evokes and draws down from Neitzer Chesed, which is Eitzratzen. It's a time when Hashem, there's a tremendous, tremendous grace in heaven. Hashem smiles. You know, it's indescribable, but, but this is, it's a, such a powerful feeling that Hashem is just reveals Himself and with a good will and everything is open. And, and this comes as a result of the life of the tzaddik. Because when the tzaddik passes away, his whole life comes together. So his daily sacrifices and his daily worship and his daily mitzvot and day in and day out, 24-7, and putting it all together. The whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. It's like explosive. Suddenly it evokes such a powerful response from Hashem in response to this tzaddik, in response to his whole life his daily sacrifices and mitzvot and good deeds. So it's one piece at a time, one day at a time, but when he passes away, that moment, it all comes together in such a special way. He put this whole life together. The power, the intensity, is like a laser. It's like that evokes a response, a new divine revelation, an Eserat, time of goodwill. To serve Hashem out of love, surrendering their soul to Hashem during their lifetime, every evening and morning, and reading the Shema. For thereby they would elevate Mayan Nukfen, literally feminine waters, i.e. they would initiate a spiritual arousal, expressing their desire to receive a flow of divine energy. To Ava Anima, i.e. to Kafma and Bina, during the reading of Shema, as is known. Because the reading of the Shema is also learning Torah. The literal meaning of the, of the verse of the Shema is that you should study Torah day and night. So reading of the Shema is a form of studying Torah. I'm reading the Torah, part of the Torah. A specific part of the Torah, but I'm reading the Torah. So he says that tzaddik during his lifetime, as a result of his daily sacrifice, devotion, dedication, sincerity, good deeds, everything that he's done, he evokes a response. But the response was limited. It evoked the level of Abba and Aim, the level of Chachma, Mina, of divine, the divine world of emanation. But when he passes away and you add it all up together, and you put all of those days and all of those sacrifices and all of the mitzvot and every moment of study in his whole life, put his whole life together, you evoke a whole different level of response, a whole different degree of intensity. Now you're reaching not to the level of divine emanation, you're reaching to the 13 attributes of mercy, the source, the, the essence of wisdom, the, comes from the sub, God's subconscious, so to speak, the from the eighth of the 13 attributes, which is which again, a transcendent level, a personal response. Hashem responds personally. Because the tzaddik during his lifetime is constantly giving up his soul to God, so to speak. As we learned in the first part of the Tanya, chapter 41, if you remember. Every time you study Torah and do mitzvot, in a way it's like a little self-sacrifice. Because it's not something that nature dictates. Nature dictates enjoy life, have fun, make money, accumulate power. Studying Torah, what is, what's, what, why am I studying Torah? What practical use is the Torah? A mitzvot. So it's like, in a sense, I'm like sacrificing my life. I'm sacrificing my natural life, my material life, and I'm dedicating it to Hashem. There's no ulterior motive. There's no ulterior uh, usage. It's, it's just 
to connect with Hashem. So in a way, it's an act of sacrifice. Living a Jewish life is an act of sacrifice. It's not something that your ego, your natural self would dictate. To put up tefillin and light the candles and do all 613 mitzvot and give tzedakah. This is something divine and godly. So every day you're giving up a little. You're making your sacrifices. It's a little, it's a, it's a miniature mesirat nefesh, a miniature self-sacrifice. Going beyond your ego. But when the person passes away, this is it. This is the ultimate sacrifice. You're giving up your ego. You're giving up your eye. You're totally delivering yourself, your very being, yourself, to your creator, to your maker, to Hashem. It's total egolessness. So the response to that is so powerful. Every time we take a little sacrifice, we go, we transcend our ego, there's a, there's a response. But when you make the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate egolessness, the ultimate devotion to Hashem, returning to Hashem, teshuva, the ultimate teshuva, that's when a person passes away, as we learned in the third part of the Tanya, the different levels of teshuva, and the ultimate is when a person passes away, and that achieves the ultimate atonement, because it's the most powerful teshuva. The soul literally returning back to Shuva, to Tashuv, to return to its source, to its maker. So this, Hashem responds in kind. God is interactive. So this level of total egolessness, giving up your I, and that's when your whole life comes together, all your miniature sacrifices, it all adds up to a climax. This is the climax. All your miniature sacrifices, this is the climax. A peak, total sacrifice, total egolessness, total surrender to Hashem. This is not something we can achieve in our lifetime. But the moment when a person passes away, that's the ultimate surrender, the ultimate giving up to Hashem. So that evokes such a powerful response. That at that moment, you draw down a new divine energy, a personal response. It's so personal, giving up your ego so personal. And the ultimate giving up of ego when a person passes away. And that climactic moment, Hashem responds personally. Eisratzen, there's a goodwill. A very positive response. We draw up, we go upward, and Hashem, there's a divine flow downward. Hashem responds. So there's a powerful divine revelation a flow downward from Hashem, a time of goodwill. It's a very auspicious time. That's why the yard site of a tzaddik is a very auspicious time, very powerful energy, positive energy. Because every year it repeats itself. The word shana comes from the word shoneh, repeats itself. So whatever happened last year happens again this year. So if the first time there was this tremendous breakthrough and elevation and response from Hashem, that repeats itself each and every year, but on a much higher level. A bigger breakthrough, a more intense response but it's all Hashem is in a good mood, Hashem is available, accessible, it's a positive energy. And you make the most of those moments. When those moments come, they don't come too often, often enough, but when those moments come, you hold on for dear life and hang on for the ride, fasten your seatbelts, and tremendous things you can accomplish on that day. The yurt. The yurt. It's very, 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 very powerful. That's why by Chabad, we have a custom, by the other Hasidim, on the day of a yard site, they don't say Tachnut. They don't uh, confess. It's like a holiday. You know, Rabbi Shem Bayichai passed away like Bomer. It's a holiday. We don't, we don't say Tachnut. In Chabad, we do say Tachnut. We do confess. Because confession accesses the the 13 attributes of mercy, which is where we draw atonement. When Hashem responds personally, we can achieve the ultimate atonement, transformation, transforming sin into mitzvah, negative into positive. So the day of the yard site, that is the day of teshuvah. It's the ultimate teshuvah. It's not a day to avoid and not say tachnun. It's a day to say tachnun. And in that moment, you can achieve the ultimate atonement. 
where you deal with the sin, not you run away from the sin, it's a day that I'm above sin. No. The day that the tzaddik passes away, as he explains in this whole letter, you have the power to reach into the sin, into the place of the darkness, into the sin and into the negativity and transform it into positive. To achieve the ultimate atonement. The highest level of teshuvah where the negative, the sin turns into mitzvah. So you make a point of saying tach. That's the date, that's the ultimate date to say tach. Not, that's the power of the day. The power of the day is when Hashem responds intimately. The tzaddik who gave his whole being to Hashem. And the ultimate sacrifice and return to Hashem on the day that he passes away, Hashem responds personally. And it's like a personal moment of intimacy. And Hashem is in the Eserots and he's in a good mood and he's open and revealed and accessible in the essence of Hashem. That intimate moment, we have the power to reach into sin, into the darkness, into the bitterness and transform it into mitzvah. I know I'm going to walk into quick down on this one. <laughs> Those are usually the best questions. In the Litvak world, at a sugar house, we don't say Tachanan. Oh, oh and, and, and nowhere, anywhere. Fine. Okay, I knew this was a quick sign. Okay. So don't even, say, no, even I'm shiva. talking about the yard site. Fine, okay. During Shiva, you don't say Tachanan. The reason you don't say Tachanan is because you don't want to draw... You don't want to draw... It's called the Midas Adin. You don't want to draw negativity, you know, he has enough negativity in his life, the mourners you don't want to draw attention, no, I sin because it's a time when the attribute of severity is very much manifest in this person's life, in the survivor's life because, you know the, a person's life was just lost, and so the whole family is now under scrutiny and under so this is not the time to get up and say, yes, I, <laughs> I sin and talk about sin. <laughs> you talk about sin. It's dangerous. It's literally dangerous for the family members who are alive. So you're not allowed to discuss it. It says if the, mourner, if the mourner goes to shul, that's, that's what we're going to do tomorrow, and he's stavning in shul, he doesn't do tachnun, but the congregation does do tachnun. There's one opinion that says that the whole congregation doesn't have to do if he's davening, even if it's in a shul setting, not at home. But the consensus opinion is that, yeah, that he doesn't say, but the, the, unless he's the tenth man. <laughs> if he makes the minion, then uh, you wouldn't say. No, no one in the congregation would say. But so, yeah, that's universal. That's halacha. That's universal. That's, uh, when we're talking about the yard site, the first yard site, and the yard site ever, ever after, a year later, the yard site, so by Hasidim, other Hasidim, besides Lubavitch, they don't say tachn on that day. And there's some Hasidim that chose to be a chassid of every single Rebbe. So they have a calendar almost every second day. <laughs> another Rebbe passed away. Another great holy Jew. So they, 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 they can never sin because they never get to say tachlon. They never get to confess. <laughs> but at Chabad, pointedly, we do say tachlon. But learning this letter, you can understand why. The same applies to the study of the Torah, which derives from Chachma. This too results in an elevation of the Mayan Nukvin towards Chachma. Thereby, the Mayan Dukrin, literally the masculine waters, which upon flow from above, were elicited and drawn down from the left, from the tuft of Nozir Chazid. Since it is from this divine attribute that Chachma draws its substance, as stated above. And indeed, it is these illuminations that radiate in a manifest way at the time of the passing of Tzadikim. The illuminations that are drawn down through the self-sacrifice of Tzadikim during their uh, lifelong recitation of the Shema and their Torah study became revealed at the time of their passing. For it is known, all the effort of man which his soul toiled during his lifetime and which remains above in a hidden and obscured state is revealed and radiates in a manifest way from above downwards at the time of his passing. Thus, all the unseen spiritual effects of the tzaddik's reading of Shema and of his Torah study are revealed in the world below at the time of his passing. That's why it's such a special moment, the uh, day that he passes away, because everything that we do, we like store. It's like putting money in the bank but it's like sending it in a vault in Switzerland. <laughs> you can't see it, you can't access it. Uh, we don't even have the key. We, well, we have the key, but we don't know how to open it. So it's there. Every time you do a mitzvah, you're planting, you're sowing, you're investing, you're 
putting it, adding something to the account, some divine energy. But we don't get to benefit from it, we don't get to enjoy it, we don't get to see it. We just know, we've been accumulating and accumulating. But when the tzaddik passes away, everything is revealed. Everything is... So now you can feel the impact, you feel the result of all the mitzvah that he's done, the life that he's lived. It comes together in a very, very powerful way, in an openly manifest way, in a revealed way. It draws down, it evokes a response, it draws down a divine energy, a new life, a new energy, a new life flow, a new, new blessings, and a new divine revelation. But openly. That's why it's Eish Ratzin. Eish Ratzin is, when God is in a good mood, when someone's in a good mood, you see it on the face, it's revealed. You know, the face reveals everything. The face doesn't hide. When a person is in a sour mood, it's on the face. When a person is in a great mood, he can't help it. It's just, his face radiates. You, know, you look at a person, you can see if he's down or if he's something great just happened. And, uh, you know, it's just written all over the face. I don't know what, but I just know that. So the face reveals. So he says, Eserotzen is a time when God is in a good will and good will. It's openly, overtly manifest. Now, by the illumination from the tuft of Natsar Hesed, it is revealed at the time of the passing of Siddiquim. The Hesed of God radiates from world to world, from the world of concealment down to the world of revelation over those who fear Him, and affects salvations in the midst of the earth to atone for the sin of the generation, even for the deliberate sins which are of the three impure people that are inferior to Noga, the Klipat Noga can give rise only to unwitting sins whose atonement is secured through sacrificial offering. This revelation is drawn downward on all those who fear God. And in addition, it affects salvation in the midst of the earth, in the midst of the earthiness. Even those places that are so far remote and removed from godliness, the antithesis of godliness. But the light of Hashem that's revealed when the tzaddik passes away has the power to penetrate and to reach even, even that place and to achieve an atonement. It appears even for those who were not repentant, but the generation, there's, there's a cloud hanging over the generation. There's too many sins and too much negative energy. Everything we do has a consequence, creates a consequence. We don't live in a vacuum. So if, if the generation is not behaving appropriately, it creates a negative energy. If the majority of the generation is behaving appropriately, it's doing the right thing, you create a positive energy. So, the, but the tzaddik's passing has the ability to dispel that cloud. Not only dispel that cloud, but to atone for the sins of the generation. So many times Hashem takes the life of the tzaddik as an atonement, as a substitute, as a sacrifice, as an offering to substitute for the generation. Sometimes the tzaddik himself offers him his life as a substitute. For the sake of the community, he's offering himself as a sacrifice. Because when the tzaddik passes away, it's something that's very, very powerful. For the Mazel, the notes are Chesed, the Malchen Bittim of Arek Anten, the Chokma of Kedar, which is the source of the task of the Riram, the refinement of the material world by extracting and uplifting the divine sparks within it. Like he said earlier, that the level of sacrifices could only elevate the sparks of Klipat Noga. But to elevate, to separate, clarify and elevate the higher sparks, the deeper sparks, the sparks that fell so low, that fell into the negative, the three Klipat, that's not within our capacity. That's only the red heifer could accomplish it. And he says here, just like the red heifer, which is outside of the camp, it could reach outside of the camp, so too, the passing of a tzaddik 
also has the power to achieve an atonement and to elevate and clarify the sparks, to return the sparks that fell so far away and became so disconnected. So the passing of a tzaddik has the power to pierce the divine revelation as a result of the passing of the tzaddik has the power to pierce and to penetrate and transform even the negative into positive. The negative itself will turn into positive. I mean, you know, sometimes you're in a, you're in a bad mood or something, something doesn't feel right to you. You can't always explain it logically. Just something, something doesn't feel right. You have no words, you can't describe it, you have no idea. You think this, you think the other. As clever as you, as you think, you know, as clever as your ideas may be, and even as true as they may be, nothing changes. You feel just as lousy as you did before. You figured it out. <laughs> so it, it doesn't help you. So how do you change that? Either you wait till some, something good happens, <laughs> or after a while, time goes by, time heals everything, and you move on. But it doesn't really change anything. There's a place inside of you it's unresolved you may drown it out or forget about it or get distracted or just move on thank God God created forgetfulness but there's still a lot of unresolved places inside of you and issues inside of you that you have no idea you can't even help yourself because you have no idea what's bothering but then there's that rear ability we have if you approach it properly that you can you are able to allow that part within you to speak to you and to tell you what's going on. And could be a very startling revelation, something you've never figured out even in a million years. And then you can change, you can move forward. And what bothered you, what formerly was negative, now turns suddenly into positive. Nothing externally changed objectively, but internally something very deep down, something shifted in a very subconscious level, something changed, something shifted. The negative itself now suddenly turned positive. You know, but that's a very deep, deep level. A, to be able to shift things at the core and at the essence and to change them, it's a very, very deep, profound level. It's not accessible to us. You know, we operate in a conscious level. We don't operate in a subconscious level. So we have so many unresolved issues inside of us some that are killing us, <laughs> you know, getting in our way, and we just we just don't know how to change it. We don't know how to act. We don't even know what 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 it is. And all the clever understandings in the world doesn't really make any difference. Doesn't really get to it. Doesn't really change it. Um, but when there's a much more an essential core shift and change then you're able to change everything, even negative. Places that you're stuck and you can't move forward. Suddenly, everything turns around. You're able to go forward. You restore that zest for life and that zeal for life and that appetite. You know, sometimes you get stuck and it robs the life out of you, just takes the life out of you. You just feel like you're going nowhere. People call it midlife crisis, this crisis, that crisis. But once you're able to achieve that core change, you're able to go forward and rediscover that hunger for life, that zest for life, that appetite. That you can move forward. You, know, you could be stuck for years, for decades, but, and in one moment you can create that shift and suddenly you've changed inside in thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of millions of ways that you can't even begin to describe. But you feel a positive movement forward so whatever we're just a microcosm the same is true in a macrocosm sometimes the generation is stuck it's stuck we're not moving forward it's like when the tzaddik passes away it just 
it atones for the sin of the generation. I mean, this is a tremendous, it's an upheaval. Positive upheaval. It just gets everything out of, and just moves everything forward and transforms. Taps into the core and essence of Hashem, into the essence of reality, which is good. Hashem is good and, and gets the ball rolling again, gets Chal Yisrael, the Jewish people, moving forward again in a good direction. Positive trajectory. So this is the power, the single-handed power of one tzaddik. Single-handedly, he has that power to achieve that atonement. Because of the life that he lived. This is what Hashem responded to. Hashem is genuine. Chesed vi emes is one of the 13 attributes of mercy. Hashem is emes. So a Jew lived his life sincerely. Emes. And the daily sacrifices, like he said, morning and evening, and learning Torah constantly, and living a Torah life, not just learning Torah, living a Torah life, day in and day out, and being a tzaddik, totally dedicated, devoted. Hashem doesn't remain indifferent. And Hashem responds. It's like a marriage. He said, the masculine water and the feminine water. Hashem responds. It's a relationship. Hashem is, can't remain indifferent. So a human being of flesh and blood who is so dedicated, devoted, sincere, genuine, day in, day out, the tzaddik, day in, day out, consistently, for 70, 80, 120 years, Hashem can't remain indifferent. You put it all together, the moment He passes away, Hashem just responds. It's such a powerful response that it shifts everything. At the very core, at the very essence of the subconscious, in a very personal way, in a deep way, it just shifts and moves everything forward. That's, that's the ultimate atonement. The darkness incurred by the breaking of the vessels is thereby converted into the light of the world of Tikkun. This light is therefore able to atone even for the deliberate sins that derive from the three empirically quote, the lowest level that resulted from the breaking of the vessels. So that's the most difficult, impenetrable. It's like the godly spark is covered, reinforced concrete that even a nuclear bomb can't even get through. The godly spark is covered up by the negative, the three negative energies. That's why we have to stay away from them. We don't have the power to lift them, to restore them, to reconnect them to their source. But that's a regular, on a regular basis. But with the power of the tzaddik passing away, you have the ability to pierce and to penetrate. Even this reinforced, Concrete is able to reach the spark and redeem and release and reconnect the spark to its source. This is not the case, though, with the sacrifices that are offered upon the altar. They atone only for inadvertent sins, which come about because of the strengthening of the animal soul, whose life force derives from Nogash. As is stated in Lakuti Torah, the Arizal Parshat Vayikra, this then is passage concerning Miriam was adjoined expressly to the passage concerning the red heifer to teach you that just as the heifer affects atonement, so too does the passing of the righteous. The Alkut Pasha Shemini for the heifer reads the waters of purification. This is more in keeping with the explanation provided above for the red heifer's atonement and its impact on the three impure people is not a result of burning the heifer, which is spiritually symbolic for elevation, but a, a result of the sanctification of the purifying waters, an act which draws down beneficiation from above, just as water flows downward from above. From supernal holiness and hachma of Keter, the sources of refinement are pu- and purification, he said that just like he explained in the first half of the letter, that the red heifer, the, red, the waters of the red heifer, water refers to wisdom, but the wisdom of the red heifer refers to chachmas the higher level of wisdom, the wisdom, the subconscious level of wisdom, the essence of wisdom. And versus the sacrifices and the general Torah is from the lower level of wisdom, which is the level of the supernal wisdom, of the divine world of emanation. Like, so to speak, God's consciousness, so to speak. 
And therefore the sacrifices could only atone for sins that were done unintentionally. But for sins that were done intentionally, there's no sacrifice. Sacrifices can't atone for them. But the pass, the red heifer, which is done outside of the camp, could purify and reach even the impure. Even someone came in contact with death, the ultimate impurity, the source of impurity. And so too, the Torah juxtaposes the passing of Miriam to the mitzvah of the red heifer to teach us that the tzaddik has the same effect. The tzaddik's reach in, during his lifetime, because he's a tzaddik, his whole arena is limited to the uh, permissible. There's so much of this world, perhaps the majority of this world, it's off-limits to a Jew. And very few kosher, kosher food is very limited. Much more non-kosher than kosher. So a Jew's arena is very, very limited. There are 630 mitzvot, 365 don'ts. The overwhelming majority is don'ts. So God creates the whole world and he says, no, it's off limits. Don't touch this and don't do this and don't say this and don't think this. Kosher, what's permitted is a very narrow arena. And that's the tzaddik's arena. That's all he can affect. Can't reach beyond that. We're talking about a tzaddik. He grew up in the straight and the narrow and continued that way. But when the tzaddik passes away, his reach, his outreach, <laughs> he's doing the real outreach, then his, his reach reaches out even outside the domain of permissible, even to the opposite side, the negative domain. And he's able to outreach and he's able to reach even that place and to reveal and restore the godly sparks even to atone for the sins of the generation that are outside the camp, outside the pale, that are prohibited. So this sacrifice, his personal sacrifice, when he passes away, which is like the ultimate sacrifice, is much more powerful than the regular sacrifice that was offered on the altar. You know, that you offer an animal. But when the person, when the tzaddik makes the ultimate sacrifice, he sacrifices himself, gives up his life and to Hashem, this has the power to achieve atonement even outside. And the whole world, it, gets the, it reaches the whole world, every corner of the world, every part of the world, even those parts that are off limits to a Jew. Even to the negative territory, the negative, negative areas. So that's why he says it's the water of the red heifer. Because the red heifer, they burned the red heifer and turned it into ashes. And then they took the ashes and mixed it with the, with the water from the wellspring. Wellspring water, mayim chayim. So the idea of wisdom, the idea of the water that flows downwards, this is really the essence of the chattas. That's what he's discussing here. It's God's response to our burning, the burning of the tzaddik, the tzaddik's life and his sacrifice and his heroism and his courage and his saintliness and his going beyond his nature and all those mini-sacrifices which he did consistently day in, day out, Hashem, and it all comes together when he passes away, when he makes the ultimate sacrifice, Hashem responds and there's a divine revelation which is compared to water. The divine level of wisdom, the ultimate wisdom, is revealed. So there's a powerful sur- a surge of, of, when a tzaddik passes away, it's a powerful surge of his soul being elevated. And in response, there's a powerful new light, new revelation. Personal, intimate response from Hashem. So the passing away is a very intimate moment. And that's why it comes with a lot of tears as well. It's a, there's, there's, it's a very powerful moment. Anything that's overwhelming is expressed in tears. When a person can take something, it's too much. Positive or negative. Anything that's overwhelming, you just can't bear it. Your mind just can't handle it. It's too much. Your heart, your mind, it's just way beyond your capacity. That's when the tears start flowing. Like the dam bursts and the tears start flowing. Anything that's overwhelming, that's too much for you. It's too deep and it's too, high, it's too emotional or it's too overwhelming. You just, just burst out crying. So when something happens to us, could be tears of joy also. You know, under the chuppah, everyone is crying. Not because they're sad. 
It's not a funeral, it's a wedding. But it's, it's a raw moment. It's a genuine moment. It's a real moment. So it's overwhelming. You can't help but be moved to tears. So any major thing in life or anything, transition or anything very powerful, you know, we just sense. I mean, death is a very powerful, you know, it's a powerful moment between, intimate moment between the person who, the tzaddik who's passing away and Hashem. You know, it's a coming together. He's going to heaven. He's going, returning his soul, giving up his eye, his ego, ultimate teshuvah, and Hashem responds. And that energy, the two coming together, the, the, the elevation and the waters which flow downward in response, the feminine water and the masculine waters, that's what creates, that's what gives birth, that's what creates something new, a new soul, a new revelation, a new energy that this world has never seen before. That's why it's a very powerful moment. These are all words of comfort that Alter Rebbe is trying to write on on the tragic passing of his son, you know, father burying his child. The worst tragedy. But these are the words of comfort that he's trying to explain to him what happens. The power of the tzaddik passing away, that it's a sacrifice. It's not just... Not just... There's much more going on than meets the eye. You know, it's very meaningful. It's very powerful. You know, when something has meaning, as painful as it is, at least you can, you can deal with it. It's when something is meaningless that, that it's unbearable. Can't, the person can't handle something negative. It's just meaningless. Even if it's not negative, it's hard to handle something that's totally meaningless. But... If it's negative and it's meaningless and pointless, it's, it's, it's unbearable. But if you understand that there's tremendous meaning, something very meaningful happened, not just he passed away and he's gone and it's a tragedy and it's over. Something very meaningful just happened. As he just explained in this letter, 28, what's the meaning of a tzaddik passing away? What happens? What does that mean? And the powerful whole life coming together and Hashem's powerful response and the impact that it has, the outreach that it has and reaching and affecting and transforming at the very core and essence, changing the whole world, even the negative, into positive and uh, atoning for the Jewish, for Klal Yisrael, for the whole Jewish people. So, it's meaningful. It doesn't lessen the pain or the tragedy, but at least you can deal with it, at least you can you have some language or some, some understanding of what's really going on so then it becomes livable then you can, you can live with it, otherwise it's just unlivable, unbearable it's like pointless, you can't live with pointlessness and meaninglessness and a tragedy that's meaningless and pointless is just too much to bear, it's not, it's not possible not humanly possible, especially a tragedy of a parent losing a child. So are you saying that when you do lose, when it's a tragedy and you lose a child, for example, there's a deeper meaning to it than, so that you can get by? I mean, uh, is it because, if the time is too soon, like you lose a child that's young, is there, you're saying that there's a deeper meaning, there's a reason that we won't know of that the reason why the child dies is something positive for something there. And it gets you to feel like, you know, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a deeper meaning as to why my child passed away. That is the meaning of faith. Faith means we actually make a blessing. When the worst tragedy happens, we actually thank God. We make a blessing. Faith means exactly what you said. Whatever happens, there's a meaning. God runs this world. God knows what He's doing. God is good. I don't understand it, and maybe I never will understand it. But I have faith in God that 
nothing happens random, and nothing is just an accident, and nothing is just happens to be. There's no such thing. Everything is pregnant with meaning. Everything has a deep meaning. Everything has a purpose. Whatever happens in my life, I do understand. I don't understand. You know, I don't have the hubris to think that I understand. There's so much in life. If you ask anyone how much is 368 times 454, anyone? No idea. So that we can't figure out, but we're going to figure out life. <laughs> Every one of us is made up of 100 trillion cells. Try to wrap your mind around that. I mean, life is so infinitely complex. It's so beyond our comprehension. Whatever happens in the body, 99.9% of it happens unselfconsciously. We have no clue what happens. You can go through our whole life, we have no idea. And yet it just happens. We breathe, and we digest, and we eat, and we walk and talk, etc. So, it's faith. That's faith. But is it different? Is that the same as the tzaddik? No, because, right, well, right. I mean, the right. tzaddik, you know. Oh, so what that, he right. Needs. Exactly. Exactly. So, faith is, faith is everything. Faith is across the board, no matter what happens. Right. And the truth is, people will tell you, people who think they don't believe in God, when they have a tragedy, they'll tell you, I envy, I envy you. Because you have a faith in God, so you, you believe that everything that happens in life has a purpose, a deeper purpose. I don't understand it, and I'm, too, I'm human, and I'm finite, and I'm too limited to understand, but I have faith that God knows what He's doing, and everything has a very deep meaning, and one day I'll understand it. But right now I can't. You know, I'm sure when uh, Ronald Reagan lost his job as a B actor, <laughs> I'm sure it was a very sad day until he became the president of the United States. Okay. <laughs> uh, until he became the, the 40th president. Um, so many times you don't see it at the time, and then you look back, and then you realize it opened a new door in your life, it changed the whole life direction, it all, it all turned out for the better. I, you know, but that's faith. At the time, I don't understand anything. Here... In the case of the tzaddik, Al Rebbe is giving him explanation. It's not just, it's more than just faith, which every Jew has no matter what, under all circumstances. Here he's giving him a little taste, a little understanding, a little appreci- appreciation, not just to have faith that something meaningful happened, but to understand what's really going on. He's removing the curtain and he's showing that from a different perspective, something else entirely is going on here. You know, this is it's a whole different reality. Don't, don't take it at face value. So this is much easier. This is much easier to absorb. Basically, with his passing, he's saving the Jewish people. That's, that's basically what he's writing. You can imagine how much pride a father would feel that his son made, sacrificed himself in order to save millions. That's like the military you go right? into. Right? Right. But you're making a sacrifice to save millions. It, it, you feel the pain, but your heart it also swells with pride. I had such a son. I had such a child. Such a tzaddik. That Hashem accepted his sacrifice. And Hashem, you know, I mean, we know. We have nothing to... <laughs> we're going to live forever. <laughs> but here, a tzaddik, a righteous, a righteous person. Um, so these are it's, these are genuine words. He's not just making writing this to make the Levites of Aditya feel good. He's telling him the emes. This is what's really going on, and these are soothing words. You know, these are meant to soothe some of the pain, and at the same time that you feel this tremendous pain, but you also feel pride in your son and what he has accomplished and what his death accomplished ironically so not only was he accomplished in his life he was accomplished his act of passing was a moment that changed the world changed history changed the world changed affected the whole Jewish people. It's a very powerful, powerful thing, very powerful state. 
Otherwise, the tragedy is just too overwhelming, you know, it's just, it's just unbearable. So he's not here to take away from the human pain and the human tragedy. Obviously, God created as a human, and on the human level, we feel that pain, there's a divine message in that too. There's a divine, God wants us, He created us that way. He wants us to feel that pain, to feel that void, that loss. Because in the perfect world, there shouldn't be any sins that need atoning (laughs) to atone for, and they shouldn't be necessary. Why do you have negativity and therefore you need the sacrifice of the tzaddik, this heroic sacrifice in order to atone for the sins? That's not the goal. The goal is there shouldn't be any sin, there shouldn't be any negativity and we all have our act together and then Mashiach comes and there is no death and there's no longer any death, there's no longer any evil, no longer any pain, no longer any illness. And we're very close. I mean, science today, we're at the cutting edge. They already envision a world where no illness and no pain and people can live hundreds of years. I mean, they envision that these are hardcore science business. Billions of dollars are being invested as we speak. This is not just in the holy books. This is hardcore reality. American Stock Exchange, the companies, public companies, these are, this is for real. Because they see it already, theoretically. That's the ideal world. Ideal world, there shouldn't be any illness, period. The whole purpose of medicine will be preventive medicine to teach you how to eat healthy and live healthy and you'll never even come in the first place to any problem. So of course it's a tragedy and we cry because this is not what Hashem wants. Illness, death, sin. But at the same time you have to appreciate what a saint, what a soul, what a, what a powerful moment this is. And this was and what was accomplished and achieved and a breakthrough tremendous breakthrough moment the passing away is a breakthrough moment very intense powerful moment and Hashem responds also intensely and intimately and personally and when Hashem is revealed his essence is revealed it, it, you, you affect the very core and essence of all of existence so everything is transformed 180 degrees negative to positive <coughs> symptoms These two letters go together, 27 and 28. 27 spoke more about a Rebbe, and 28 is about an individual, Tzaddik. But here, the whole Jewish approach and the whole Jewish take on death, and it's revolutionary. And this just changes your whole point of view, your whole perspective. It's eye opening, you know. It, it, it was a great Hasidic master who said he's, he's practicing all his life how to die. <laughs> there's, a, there's a way to live. There's a way, there's a way to... You know, the Talmud says there are 999 different types of death. The hard, hardest one is like pulling rope through a very narrow ring. You know, it's very tight and you can barely... And the easiest death, it's like taking a hair out of milk, a cup of milk, one hair falls out, and you just pluck it out and just, that's it. So a person who's very materialistic, his whole life is self-indulgence, living for the moment, ego, money, power, fame, that's his whole being. Death is intolerable. Terrifying. Because my life comes to an end. No more Chinese restaurants. No more. <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> it's finished. It's like pulling a rope. To the ultimate tzaddik, it's a transition. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, what's this world, the next world? I mean, my soul is the same. God is the same. My relationship to God hasn't changed. I love God and I believe in God and I, I'm in awe of God. And what, what, what changed? God is here, God is there. My soul here, my soul there. It's like opening a door and then going from one room to the other. Pulling a hair out of the milk. It's so easy. It's like the, the, the Torah describes it as the death, of, the, the death by kiss. God kissed Moses, Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. Their whole death was a kiss. Kiss of death. That's where, that's where the little expression comes in, kiss of death. But a kiss, 
see, Mo's death, obviously it's a tragic, horrible, terrible tragedy. But by the ultimate tzaddik, you can feel, you can sense what Alter Rebbe is describing. You don't feel that negativity. Most death, it's, 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 you feel the negativity and the impurity and the, it's just a, a horrible event. No one should ever have to go through it. But, and, 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 for, the survivor, and for the family members, just, just, they feel, they sense, you know, you sense death, it's horrible. By the great tzaddik, the ultimate tzaddik, by the Rebbe, for example, it's like the kiss, it's like God's kiss. It's all, there's no negativity. It's not about negative at all. There's no negativity. It's all Hashem's kiss. It's intimate, it's personal, it's, it's, it's indescribable. The joy in heaven and the, the, the soul coming back home and going back to its source and, and, and elevating and being elevated and Hashem's response. It, it, it's, it's all positive. But this is true of the tzaddik. This is not, this is not even of the tzaddik, probably the greatest tzaddik, this is not in most cases. In most cases, 99.9.9%, if not higher, death is, it's hard. You feel the negative. You feel the, the negativity and the negative energy and it's, 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 it's a terrifying thing. Overwhelmingly horrible feeling, but the for the tzaddik, what the Rebbe is describing here, it's like the kiss of death. It's the kiss of God. It's, it's a different. It's a different. It's a different story altogether. It's a whole different. It's, it's like it's almost not even the same. We're not talking about the same thing. <laughs> this is negative, and this is indescribable. Just in this way. Positive. Something so uplifting, something so profound, something so special. It's like a moment of intimacy. So the masculine energy and the feminine energy. It's like a moment of intimacy. The soul of the tzaddik and Hashem coming together in the deepest way. Even more so than during his life. A whole life he was coming together with Hashem. In the morning, in the evening learning Torah day in, day out. But the moment he passes away, the unification of Hashem and the soul, it's, 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 it's to a level that's beyond anything that Tzaddik experienced in his lifetime and beyond description. It transcends all the worlds and the whole frame of reference of the universe. And the effect and impact is so deep and profound and earth-shattering. And this, is, so it's, it's, this is the death by divine kiss. Whole different, uh, whole different reality. This is an uh, offering tash. So I'm sure this is very comforting to Rav Levi Yitzchak. Take off the edges, the sharp edges of the tragedy and the pain. That, uh, you know, what Dr. Rebbe opens our eyes to explain what, what's really happening internally. Any questions? Tell me, tell me uh, you know, sadics are there. I mean, like, is there another one? Does this happen every time a sadic dies? And what's the definition? I mean, some people think that they're a sadic. They do everything right the way they're supposed to. I mean, you know, so what how do you know? Very good question. The whole first part of the Tanya, especially the first chapter, discussed that exactly. You know, the Talmud says that throughout all of history there were 18,000 tzaddikim. People who call themselves tzaddik, <laughs> you probably have 18,000 just in Brooklyn today. <laughs> 18,000 through all of Jewish history. People think a tzaddik, he goes to shul three times a day, he's religious, pious, follows the code of Jewish law. How could there be only 18,000 throughout all of Jewish history? Al-Tarebi explains in the first chapter right away what is the definition of a tzaddik. 
a tzaddik is one or two in every generation. A tzaddik is someone who has no evil inclination. A tzaddik is someone who's living a different, in a different universe. He's, his whole being is different. He's not only does Jewish, he thinks Jewish, he acts Jewish. His whole being is Jewish. It's his core, it's his essence. It's, he's godly, he senses godliness. There's no ego. This is a level that's beyond us, that's so far beyond us. So that's uh, talking about a different, almost a spiritual superman. Tzaddik is a different, different human being. He's a different, you know anyone, forget about a Tzaddik. You ever saw a Benini? Benini is someone who has an evil inclination. But yet, he never violated a single thing in the code of Jewish law in his life. 24-7, thinks like a Jew, speaks like a Jew, acts like a Jew. 100%. So did you ever meet such a person? I, I probably saw one or two yeah. in my life. An old Hasidim in 770. But did you ever meet such a person? <laughs> no, I'm, talk- I'm talking about a Benini. The Rebbe is a different level. I'm talking about a Benini. You forget about a Tzaddik. So even a Benini is hard to find. A Tzaddik? A Tzaddik? Who's a godly person who's, who's living in a different, operating in a different wavelength. He's living in a different universe than the rest of us. A tzaddik is not a rabbi or a who comes and learns all day. That doesn't make a tzaddik. You wish he was a benini. He's probably far from that. But a tzaddik, it's one or two in a generation. A real, the real deal. It's a, it's a different level. But even within the tzaddik. So the Rebbe was. The Rebbe Shkor, the ultimate tzaddik. But even within a tzaddik, it only says by Moshe and Miriam and Aaron that they died by the kiss of God. Even within tzaddikim itself, you know, death is death. Death is usually through the angel of death. By Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam, there was no angel of death. God himself kissed them and withdrew the, drew their soul out. It means there was no death involved. There was no negativity, no death, no... God himself drew... drew. It wasn't the age of death. So that level, where the passing away is is an intimate moment, a kiss between God and the tzaddik who's passing away, Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam, that's rare. Even within tzaddikim itself, that's the rarest tzaddik, like the Rebbe, you know, it wasn't the usual, like, death, like uh, the, the, the angel of death. It was like the kiss of God that just withdrew his soul. There's no negative connotation there. All you sense is that positive energy, powerful revelation of Hashem. It's so intense that it just draw, draws the soul of the tzaddik out of his body. So this is the rarest of cases. So why are we reading about this? <laughs> this is the book of the Benanim for the average Jew. And here he's describing a letter of comfort for the passing of a tzaddik. But I guess every Jew is a miniature tzaddik. Every Jew has a little tzaddik inside of him. So there's a truth here, a kernel of truth that applies to all of us. That understanding what death is for all of us, that for the soul, death is the ultimate sacrifice, egolessness, you become completely egoless, giving yourself up for Hashem. And when the person passes away, his whole life comes together. And that's true of all of us. And that's why it's a very powerful moment. And that's why the yard site for any Jew is a very powerful moment. So, even though this is written specifically to Rabbi Levi Yitzchak about the passing of his son, which the Alter Rebbe himself you know, refers to him with great titles, Arava, Chosid, Meirenu, Verabenu, But he's talking about a tzaddik. As the Talmud says, why is passing of Miriam compared to the red heifer? We're talking about the passing of Miriam who died with a kiss of God. We're talking about a tzaddik, and within a tzaddik itself, the highest level of a tzaddik. But nevertheless, a lot of these truths, the, the essence of the truth that he's stating here, in a certain sense, applies to all of us. So this can be soothing and comforting to... helps us deal with that whole subject in a, in a more positive 
mind frame. To realize the powerful potential of that moment. Not to be afraid, but to embrace it and and, uh, realize what's really going on on the inside. Something very positive, something very powerful. So I guess on a miniature level, this applies to all of us. Otherwise, why would the sons of the Alter Rebbe include this in the letters in the Tanya, which is a book of Benedim? So obviously, even though the Alter Rebbe is writing about a tzaddik and Miriam, the ultimate tzaddikus, but nevertheless, this, these truths apply to all of us. He doesn't spell it out, but you have to say that. It's not a book of tzaddikim. This is not a book written for the righteous, for the Miriams of the world, or for the, the Rablevi Yitzhak Baditchevs of the world. It's a book written to us. Down-to-earth, simple, all-too-worthy, simple human beings. So, you have to say that these truths do apply to us. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.